This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Welcome to Manawatu Conversations, recollections of the past and sometimes opinions about the future. Today we have with us... Tanya Kapitko. And I'm Stuart Burks. Okay, now, Tanya, you had a role in Palmerston North with community... Arts, yes. Community arts. Yeah, what did pa- that mean? Palmerston North Community Arts Council. So that was... Uh, that started in the 80s. Um, with the development of community arts in New Zealand and we had QE2 Arts Council at that time and they Mm. had regional arts councils and they were quite positive about uh, trying to encourage the development of arts in all our communities in New Zealand and so their general policy was to communicate with local councils Mm -hmm. and encourage local councils to do that as well so councils would have a recreation department and they would want them as part of that recreation department not just to have sport but also to support arts and culture and out of that philosophy our council said that it would fund 50-50 with QE2 Arts Council the position of a community arts officer, which became the position of a community arts advisor. Okay, now you said arts and culture, and then mm-hmm. there's also arts and craft. So is it a very broad It's very, of very arts? broad, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It, it incorporates the, the artistic endeavours of different cultures, and it goes right across all the spectrum of what we might regard as uh, our arts. Everything mm. from music, sculpture, pottery was very big in mm. Palmerston North then. So yes, that role as the community arts advisor was to work with our entire arts community and mm. in particular encourage them to be a bit innovative or work together or learn from yeah. each other. And so, so that this, was quite exciting. This area of activity, that was in the, the 80s, the yes, 90s? in the 80s. In the 80s. 80s, up until um, the late 90s when QE2 Arts Council dissolved into Creative New Zealand. Okay. And at that stage, um, the general arts what scene in New Zealand shifted and it became more focused on uh, the Arts Council became more focused on supporting the major arts institutions your opera or whatever and we lost our regional arts councils but during that period we had a huge growth of arts so you had a a really invidious position you were appointed to Mm -hmm. a job there was no real job description because it hadn't existed before you were there on your own Mm -hmm. What, how did you figure out what to do? Was well, there any guidance? Or yeah, assistance? I was very lucky because um, I had, uh, I had, well, I was in the process of doing my PhD in dance anthropology at Queen's University in Northern Ireland, and when I went over there to study, I also needed to work, and that university was also that department was also very strong in community arts, not just in anthropology. In other words, okay. what they would call in the arts area applied anthropology, in that you learnt 
principles of how society worked, but you also learnt how you could work with people from different cultures or different sectors together to create um, a more positive community. And there I learnt, for example, some really interesting work that they were doing um, through community arts in Northern Ireland where they were trying to bring together the Catholic and the Protestant sectors. Mm -hmm. But they were also doing work with youth and all sorts of things like that. So I got that experience. Now you said you you, you learnt so you observed something, but... What were the lessons as to how to make something like that work then? A lot of listening. Yeah. I mean, you have to have basic skills like planning and knowing how to get funding and um, you need to know the art form. Or if you don't know the art forms that you're about to work with, you need to listen and learn. But your major role is that of a facilitator. So a facilitator, basically, if they're a good facilitator, should be able to apply those skills to a wide range of situations. I don't have to be an expert in, um, shall we say, spinning, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be able to work with a group of spinners and a group of um, floral decorators. My job would be to bring those groups together and help them work out why and how they might do a project where they merge what they're going to do. That would be okay. one one example of that, um, you know, sort of thing. So we did a lot of work where we brought different people together, but equally we paid attention to groups who weren't at that time being supported or didn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. And so some of the projects we did way back there was working with Prisoners Aid or um, we haven't even had an art project going on out at Linton Prison Mm -hmm. where they were starting to do art, visual arts and things like that. Um, We worked with the Highbury Weavers and that was a time when they were first setting up. And Mm -hmm. so um, at that time I recall that we were... um, assisting them to develop workshops that might happen in Square Edge or making sure that they were part of some sort of community festivals that happened out at Highbury. So there was a lot of interaction going on. Or there were poets. There was a Friday poetry thing, you know. So all these things were... People Mm. were doing things but weren't all... They didn't necessarily have an avenue for expressing it. So you were putting... Getting groups going, organising yep. events, or yep. all, of it. About all of it, everything, yeah. yeah. Okay. So all I can say is that if you want to work in the arts, it was the most perfect grounding that you could ever get, hmm. because I had learnt what you needed to do when I was at, at Queen's, but in terms of applying that knowledge and getting it working, well, you have to do that in the field, don't you? you you've got to do it as a so job. So what were the lessons? What what, I, I would, what were the big shocks when you were trying to do it? Well, yeah. in terms of a shock, I would say that sometimes I was quite astounded at how the established arts community in Palmerston North, I would say some of our established institutions, could be very negative about other groups starting up. Hmm. And and I'll be quite honest and say there was quite a lot of snobbery in those days. Hmm. So yeah. it was about, and that was the main major argument, I suppose, that came between community arts and, and the arts, was excellence. Hmm. 
Okay, so excellence is always a good thing to aim for. Everybody wants to be as good as they can. But Mm. when you hold excellence up as something that only some people have and other people don't have, then you've created a barrier for interaction. So they were the sort of Mm. values sometimes we had to contradict and, and talk about. Yeah. They've made that point with all the things like digital music and so on. You can mm. hear the very best, mm. and that puts people off making music themselves because the goalposts mm. are so maybe, much Maybe, maybe, yeah. I don't okay. know. I mean, now we have, now a lot of community arts practice is much more widely accepted. So, for example, the orchestra have a major project um, uh, in South Auckland where um, young people from um, poorer suburbs are learning all about classical instruments and playing an orchestra. Nobody's mm. talking about excellence now. Yeah, They're yeah. talking about involvement. And the big yeah. wins are not to do with excellence, although, of mm. course, somebody might turn out to be a virtuoso violinist. Yeah, but yeah. that's not the major aim of the project. The major aim of the project is to create social cohesion, to explore explore things, to have people um, involved in something. And it's a social involvement, which I think is terribly important in an age where you can be involved in a society via your computer, but you're not actually physically interacting with people. But say something like an orchestra, isn't that? It's involvement, but it's very structured, isn't it? It is. Um, and I would say that the experts who run that particular project will know all about that sort of thing. I mean, my expertise in terms of actually running a community arts project is in the field of dance. The other work that I did was facilitating people to do things and explaining what can happen under certain scenarios. But um, when it comes to actually doing it, I tend to work more in the dance area and you have to be very, very aware of the values that people might bring to the project that Mm. might inhibit them. Classic for dancers, oh no, I couldn't dance, I've got two left feet. Mm. Everybody can dance. People in wheelchairs dance. So Mm. somebody who tells me they've got two left feet, I just make a mental note and say, okay, they've missed out somewhere along the line, in some dance learning. Be patient, encourage, tell them when they're doing it right. Make sure Mm. that you give them what it is, the tools they need to enjoy themselves. The more somebody gets involved and enjoy themselves, the more they want to take part and they realise that whatever that huge issue was that stopped them from doing it doesn't really exist. (laughs) So so these sorts of groups, the atmosphere around them is more one of enjoyment and community? Absolutely, yes. But it doesn't mean that you don't end up with... A product with with a good product. It's just a different way. I mean, goodness me, when I first started learning ballet, the method of teaching was that the teacher had a stick. You would never do that now. Good Lord, you'd be charged for doing something like that. So there's a whole change now, you know. But community arts, I would say, was responsible. That movement was responsible for opening things up. But at the time it first started, of course, other people looked at it in horror to think, well, you know, it's um, it's somehow subversive or whatever. But over time, everything is accepted and the general principles are accepted and we all learn. 
So what sort of people were participating early on then? Early on, well, the sort of groups that I mentioned, any groups that, that we sort of encountered that wanted to be involved in things. So it could have yeah. been Linton Prison, it could have been okay. people that we met um, through the mental health organisation, I can't remember what it was called at the time, but a lot of poetry was coming out of that group, which was absolutely wonderful and it was sort of like finding that there's a whole group of people here who had been writing poetry, but they kept it in shoeboxes under their bed, but when they were invited to participate, it was like, there's other people like me. (laughs) What about the gender and age breakdown? All sorts, all All sorts. sorts. All sorts, yeah. yeah. And we had lovely, we found lovely tutors, and, and, and strangely enough, there were plenty of arts tutors that we found mm. that had similar philosophies. So okay. you didn't have to have necessarily gone to Queen's University to have learnt yeah. this stuff. We've got artists in this town who have always yeah. been welcome to everybody. But mural artist Eric Brew, he yes, was yeah. one of our artists. Val Bolter, mm-hmm. um, dance teacher, she worked a lot. She was very, mm-hmm. very good working and still does, I think, um, working with people with disabilities. You know, we had all sorts of people because in our heyday, we had funding through the PEP schemes yeah. to run arts programs okay. and we worked with a lot of young people who were unemployed because that was the rise of unemployment in this country. So community yeah. arts movement also paralleled the rise yeah. of unemployment. But anyhow, that was my yeah. that was how I learned so, my so, stuff. Yeah. So, so were the were the, the tutors paid or yes. volunteers? Or? Yes, 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 okay. yes. We're um, we're appropriate. Yeah. I mean, you could apply for funding to the regional okay. arts council to run projects. So that's where you mm. come back to the thing. If you want to organise a project in the same way yeah. as if you're going to do a genealogy project mm-hmm. with a specific group, you write down your brief. You look at yeah. your project plan, you work out what your budget is, you put the application in, you wait, yeah. you find out are you successful, and then okay. off you go. And okay. I still do that. That's exactly you, what I do now with my independent projects. Okay, and you can do it as a, a full-time or, or whatever. But yep. for a lot of these, were they, say, the school teachers who are doing something in the evenings as uh, extra? Or Yeah, I don't know. You mentioned know. Eric Brew, I think he was. Eric um, <laughs> has always been an artist. Uh, independent artist oh, okay. yeah so um, he taught on our PEP programs yeah. and he would be a paid tutor on that yeah he was, that a was a tutor whole... at QEC at one stage right okay well then that yes yeah. 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 so um, yeah so right. I would say that um, like Eric like myself we've um, always had multiple jobs yeah, yeah, a lot of arts people have a day job. Oh, so right, itinerant teacher. Yes, almost. that's right. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So you know, but the the role of community arts advisor for Palmer's North was a full time job, hmm. yeah. and um, and that was a distinct role, and and the job description was about developing the arts community in its broadest sense, okay. and it had a committee. We had a community yeah. arts council, so yeah. I reported to them. Mm. And that committee and the Community Arts Council reported to the Palmerston North City Council because yeah. after the three years seeding money that came from QE2 Arts Council came the crunch. Okay, mm. Palmerston North City Council, do you want to carry on with this sort of thing or is that your experiment over? Mm. And our City Council decided that they would then invest 
fully in that project. And that okay. Community Arts Council and the position lasted, oh, I don't know when it stopped, but maybe only about 10 years ago. I'm not sure because okay. I wasn't living in Palmerston yeah. North, but we used to have a Community Arts Council and at Square Edge there was a Community Arts Council and also there was the Square Edge Trust Board. Hmm. For whatever reason, cost saving or whatever, or, um, those two trust boards got amalgamated. So hmm. now you only have a Community Arts Council, but the bulk of the role, I would say, of that organisation is actually to run Square Edge, yeah. which has always needed a lot of attention because you can't run a building like that and then yeah. have your eye on everything else. They have now um, tried very hard to be able to look outwards and inwards, but um, for a while they were just focusing on the building. But yeah. Yeah. in my mind, there's enough to do just running Square Edge and the yeah. role of actually developing arts in the community is quite a separate one, and it's not anything to do with the building. It's yeah. only about encouraging groups mm. and things like yeah. that. So, but that uh, when when we changed to Creative New Zealand, there was such a loss of funding and support. Mm. Things always exist for a wee while after that. Possibly mm. the Arts Council thought, oh well, it's all quite well embedded; it'll keep going. But after a while, when you don't have an annual conference or a biannual conference, mm. uh, people lose the thread. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. But now there's been a return to an interest in working with the community. But my own has always been there. And in mm. coming back to Palmerston North in the latter part of my life, I decided that I didn't want to have a job where I went it out every day <laughs> and yeah. worked for somebody that yeah. now was my chance to go back to the yeah. life I like working in in the arts and that is doing my own project so I have my little yeah. base income from yeah. dance exercise yeah. um, and then apart from that everything that I do is um, my one-off projects that I do so mm -hmm. I apply for funding or I work through another organisation. So when we talk about World on Stage, which is a really big project that the Manawatu Multicultural Council does mm -hmm. every two years, yep. um, I got asked if I would do that for the Manawatu Multicultural Council. Do that? You mean organise it? Organise it, it, yes, yeah. coordinate it, yes. Yeah. Because um, prior to that, Pat Snoxall had been doing yeah. it, but Pat had decided that it was too it's much for him yeah. as he got elderly. And yeah. I had rocked up at the Manawatu Multicultural Council yeah. saying, oh, I'd like to run a dance project. And they said, oh, what else do you do? So yeah. how it, that's how it started. Okay. So I've done two for them. And okay. so there yeah. I worked with the um, manager to put together the funding applications mm. and develop mm. the brief of the project. Um, and so I guess I'm the artistic director for that. I follow through. We mm. throw out applications. Uh, application sorry we welcome applications yeah. but then we look at the program and see what we can fit in and the time because yeah. you know and then you try and develop an interesting program mm. and of course because it's run at the regent you want mm. it to be as 
the best that you can. And I must say that every one of our ethnic groups in the town wants to show themselves in the best that they can. They want Mm. to wear their best costumes. They want to present their best Mm. dancers or their best music. So it's a great pleasure working with them. But the development side of that is that every time that I've done it, there's always been a few new groups Hmm. that have never done it before. And so, therefore, the mentoring aspect of it is very, very important. And because I know about theatre and dance and that, I'm able to help them in that area. Now, that raises another dimension because Palmer's North has really grown as a in terms of the focus on the multicultural mm-hmm. nature of the society. So you've seen that development in your time? Absolutely. In, in I mean, it's always been somewhat multicultural because I must say that the, what we know now is the Festival of Cultures mm. began um, after 1990 in Palmerston mm. North. And I was there at the beginning because the Palmerston North Community Arts Council was actually part of the instigation of that Mm. project. And um, Sandy Irvine, who was the international officer for the city council and I think Mm. the mayor's secretary at the time. Mm -hmm. And the idea was that New Zealand at that time was celebrating in 1990 biculturalism. And the government seriously asked everybody, I suppose the local councils across the country, how are you going to address that? Mm. And our council took a very, very positive step and said, we should celebrate who we are. And they talked to Rangatane at the time, who Mm. again were very, very supportive. Mm. And so the first international day, it was called, not the Festival of Cultures, Mm. was held as, and with started with a pothery at Tumaraiohine, welcoming all the groups that had come to Palmerston North and then became the performances that went on the stage. There was no food fair. It wasn't about food. It was about performance and presenting cultures. It started about 10 in the morning and it never finished till 4. And we had plenty. We had Chileans and we had Brazilians and we had um, Greeks and slightly different mix of cultures from what we've got Mm. now because we've had a lot of new ones come Mm. and some of those other cultures those people have got older and their young people have shifted away from town and so Mm. there's been a bit of a change but Mona Williams who was at Teachers College at that time and a wonderful storyteller um, and myself were the first co-compares of those shows for about Mm. three or four years but that Palmerston North has had an incredible tradition of celebrating mm. our cultural diversity. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now you also said some of these new groups and they needed some help to know how to put on a. What sort of advice did you have to? Where, what areas didn't they know? Okay, that, well here's a good one. This yeah. this last group, we had a, a group of women from Iraq. Mm-hmm. And um, they wanted to perform at World on Stage. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a big first for them, presenting something mm-hmm. to a mixed audience of men and women mm-hmm. and outside their culture. And they decided, in their infinite wisdom, that they wanted to create a traditional wedding ceremony. 
but they've mm. never done they've, d- they've mm. done it they've done it in their homes oh, yes, you know yeah, if, yeah. they knew what the wedding was but they've mm. never put it on a stage before okay so when you have your own ceremony this for many, many cultures, everything is sort of in a circle, isn't yeah. it? You're all talking to yeah. each other. Yeah. If you put that circle on the stage, all yeah, the audience bottom. can see is backs yeah. or bottoms, which yeah. is what we always <laughs> worry about yeah. in circle yeah. dancing, that you, you know, yes. you're not yeah. seeing. So the audience is not included mm. because mm. it's a community event and the, the most natural shape for a community event is a circle. Mm except for if you're in a church and you've got the priest yeah, yeah, there and yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, the audience mm. is still all trying to be part of it, aren't they? Yeah. So one of the biggest shifts was to get them all together to have a rehearsal for this thing. First of all, to try and discuss what a rehearsal was and why mm. we would want to rehearse it. Mm. And mm. it because of English and, and such like, it took a few goes before the light bulbs really went on. But I said, well, you just show me what you think you're going to do. Mm -hmm. And then I said, if you don't mind, I'm going to stop you at certain times and explain to you how we might change this so that it would Mm -hmm. work better in the Mm theatre. So a classic was that the bride had come in and then the, the because it was all women in this, because you have mm. the bride's ceremony and you have the mm. male ceremony there. So we didn't have the males, mm. we only had the bride's side because we were, these were all the women. Yeah, yeah. So they came in and they started fixing up the bride and I said, well, the problem is I'm sitting in the audience and I'm looking at your backs. Mm. How can we do this so that we can open it up? And so it went on and on. And then another Mm. interesting issue was that normally at the end of it, after certain things are said, you would dance. But they weren't going to dance Mm. on stage because that wasn't appropriate for their culture. Mm. We need to find a dancer. We need to find a dancer who can do Iraqi-type belly dance, but it won't be Mm. an Iraqi. So um, so we found a Filipino dancer who belongs to the belly dancing um, community. Oh, the belly dancing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is you know, yes, still yeah. oriental dancing. And they found um, a clip of the type of dance that they wanted. And I worked with her, although she was very accomplished, and she did the right steps mm. to the music that they chose and thus we had a performance now the other thing was that they also wanted the um, uh, bride's father to be able to come on stage and say certain things that would be the questions that the bride has to answer in order that she says mm. she's agreeing to marry except for he shouldn't be on stage with them, mm-hmm. so we worked out a stage convention that that would that was acceptable for them that he would be standing there and he would be able to do that in view of the audience, but oh. it would still look like he was it's separated from them. Oh, okay. There was that, that that problem solving, I think it's called. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. Thank you for listening to Manawatu Conversations. This and other recent programs can also be found on the Manawatu People's Radio website. And a range of programs is also available on the Manawatu Heritage website of the Palmerston North City Archive. The address for that is manawatuheritage.pncc.org.nz.
www.govt.nz. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show.